Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. Da-da. And we're coming up, so you better get this party started. Shamon. Because on the turntable this week, we've got Coming Up by Suede. Uh, and Suede, one of my favourite textures, uh, next to Silk. Why have cotton when you can have silk? Oh, uh, and a bit of leather and lace. I like leather and lace uh, while drinking a lager and lime. Oh, sounds lovely. And it's a big hello to our first Patreon subscribers. Thank you for uh, supporting us and joining us. Hello to Nick, Soren, Dan, Edward, Suzanne, Darren, Christopher, Jonathan, Dave, Sean, Stuart, Scott, Ellen, James, Thule, Steve, Lawrence and David. Yes, thank you for joining us on Patreon for exclusive episodes, early access, merchandise if you want it, the chance to vote on future episodes, and so much more. And already we have got exclusive episodes for our Patreons, or Patrons, as you keep correcting me, Dan, uh, all about Spice Girls, Electronic, and Billy and Piper. Billy Lovey. And Will, I thought, what a great time it would be to talk about what albums are coming up exclusively to Patreon next month. You're going to let the cat out of the bag? Oh, so not, right, then. not a hint of a tease. That's so, that's so last month. But fully exposing what we've got coming up next month. All right, then. Let's do it. So on the 3rd of August, we have got a first appearance on Trap by Trap by Blossoms with their debut album, Blossoms. And then on the 17th of August, we have got Will Young with Echoes, which we hinted at in our 2021 preview episode. And then uh, even more exciting, uh, on the 31st of August, we haven't actually decided the episode yet because we want our patrons to decide what are the options that we're going to open up a a vote over on patreon so this is a real mixed bag and these you know it's coming up to our third anniversary our third birthday and these are albums that have been on the long list for the longest time so we want to know yeah which one which one of these do you really really want to hear so the choices are ace of bass with the sign nsync with celebrity the lightning seeds with jollification or cindy lauper with she's so unusual Will, I can't decide. I want them all. I know, but you can't. So uh, it's up to you to decide for us what episode, uh, what album we're going to cover on our 31st of August episode. Uh, So uh, that's one of the exclusive benefits you get by subscribing and supporting us is deciding on future episodes. So do head over there. We'll put the link in the uh, episode description and it's also on our social media. So uh, this is one we've been talking about for a long time, Dan. And uh, I think if we're starting our suede experience, uh, this is a great place to start. Very poppy album. Really poppy. And I have to say, Will, uh, well, I'm quite embarrassed to say I'm going to be struck down by the listeners via social media. This is the only suede album that I really know. And I am ashamed to say that because they're a fantastic band. Whenever I listen to them, whenever I hear a new song, I love it. Just haven't got around to really delving into Suede. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed listening to this over and over the last few weeks. Dan, if you can hear that gentle hum in the background, that is Brett Anderson on a moped on his way to your front door to smite you down. I'd, and I'd let him because I know it would be deserved. Sorry, Brett. Not the first time there have been some uh, rough goings on on your doorstep, I know. But uh, at least this time, uh, it's all quite clean uh, and dry. So, Will, your relationship with Suede, when did it start? Oh, well, I'm just a fan. There's nothing, there was nothing go- ever going on. Mm. And the courts did prove that, actually. So, please, no more, uh, no more of that talk. Uh, so, I, for me, this is always the big one. And it takes me back to a time when I was really getting into music and not just music, the Britpop. It was that brilliant juxtaposition at the time of amazing pure pop music and amazing Britpop guitar-driven music, uh, both happening at the same time. 
and I was just I just couldn't get enough of all of it. And I think this was a big soundtrack at the time, alongside the likes of Blur and Hello Hello Oasis, Hello Oasis, and. Uh, who else did you have? You had like Cast, Ocean Colour Scene, Pulp. Elastica, Pulp, Sleeper, uh, Super Furry Animals, many, many, many more. Many more. But it always felt to me that Suede, as much as they are a kind of, at the heart of it, you could say they were an indie rock band. There was such a shine to their production, particularly on this album, such almost like pop sensibilities in the songwriting. Likewise, I remember around this time, 1996, uh, worth pointing out actually, Will, just so you can ask me again in a few minutes, the reason we're talking about it this week is because the lead single, Trash, is 25 in just a couple of days' time. Yeah, I remember loving, this is when Spice Girls first came out, of course, we talked about them a couple of weeks ago, pop music was massive, but I remember going into school one day and asking my best friend at the time, James Coles, I don't know if he listens. Hello, James. Hello, James. Uh, hello, James. And I remember humming beautiful ones to him because I hadn't quite picked up the words yet. And he was more, you know, he was more into the Oasis's and all your, your, your bands. And I remember just having to find out what this song was. I'd heard it on the radio. It was such an earworm. Uh, then found out it was Wade and just loved this song and loved Filmstar as much as I was loving pure pop music at the time. And I think you would kind of see Suede, uh, obviously they'd be in Top of the Pops, they'd be in the magazines as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, uh, Melody Maker, Enemy, Hue to Select, Q, uh, and then you had the likes of Sky Magazine and a lot of the pop bi-monthlies. Uh, this was, I don't want to be too hyperbolic here, Dan, but th- some of the songs on this album soundtracked a generation, and it's not often we can say that uh, when we talk about steps. <laughs> well, they sound like a generation, but no, I completely right this um there's something about the sound of this album that it sounds of its time it sounds like 1996 but it's still a fantastic quality music that you can still listen to it it's not you know sometimes music sounds of a time and you don't want to listen to it because it sounds too much of that time in the in the worst possible way this takes you back to that time it's full of memories and whimsy um, but it's just wonderful, a wonderful quality of music. I know exactly what you mean. The other time this, uh, some of the songs on this album take back to is, um, obviously this was the late 90s, but the kind of mid-noughties and the going out dancing uh, pop stars, everybody's favourite LGBTQ plus indie disco. Um, trash, uh, beautiful ones were often played there and they just really fit with that kind of vibe as well so this album i think it's um transcending genres and different groups as well because i think it had huge pop fans it had huge rock fans alternative indie fans uh queer fans as well and there was a real feeling about this album dan i'm just gonna get the wet floor sign out because i think it's already gone too far and it's usually me that has that but i think we need it around you today i'll get a few um yeah, there's industrial pads popped around your chair. So, and Dan, tell me, why are we talking about this album this week? Oh, congratulate. I don't know if you're doing it on purpose or not, <laughs> but well done. Well done. You really riled me up now. Great. Let's get stuck into the episode. <laughs> no, no. Do you know, uh, let's go back to the band and just talk a little bit about themselves. So who were the key personnel in Suede? Oh, and I'm taking from that blank, vacant look on your face, uh, is it any different than usual, listeners? Uh, but uh, maybe you need me to uh, give you the news. And that's not a euphemism. <laughs> Lineup for this band, we had obviously Brett Anderson, Matt Osman, Simon Gilbert, Richard Oakes and Neil Codling. Uh, previous members, obviously two huge names uh, that departed the band just before this album started work on. Justine Frischman. A later front person of Elastica, another brilliant indie group of the time, and Bernard Butler, an obviously huge uh, rock and roll name there as well. This was uh, a couple of new members. So Neil Codling and Richard Oakes joined when they started on this album, and it was very much a reimagining of the suede sound with a bit more of a focus on creating a very well-produced, uh, bold pop 
album. And then on production for this one, you have Ed Buller, who has worked with the likes of Pulp and White Lies and Tattoo. Uh, all acts, We've talked about Tattoo, of course, but I'm sure we'll come to talk about White Lies and Pulp at some time. Um, who had previously worked with the band... And also a notable name on this one, Craig Armstrong, who we talked about on the Pet Shop Boys Nightlife episode. He looks after the string arrangement. And spoiler alert, there are some wonderful strings on this album. Uh, so before we get stuck into the album, this was the third album release from Suede in 1996. Uh, and they went on to have one, two, three, four, five more. And hopefully, fingers crossed, another one on its way this year. Uh, so, uh, let's get stuck in. Side one, track one. I don't know why I'm talking like a robot this week. Uh, so, side one, track one. This is uh, an old name from our past, Dan. This is... Oh. Cook. <laughs> When that track starts, uh, just something stirs in me. Some, like, I think it's, it is definitely pangs of nostalgia for the 90s and the noughties of many, many nights dancing to it. But I guess also what it means, if you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. Are you taking the mick or are you just being difficult? Difficult, yeah. I know you oh. like that. I felt they were taking the mick, mick. Well... What it mean? It's it's about outsiders, isn't it? It's about people who are different. I think this is why a lot of this record really struck a chord with the queer community uh, and other minorities and outsider groups as well, because it was something that made people feel like they were seen and that they belonged. And I think my pangs and that gut wrench of memories is thinking about the shared experience of dancing and enjoying this song with other like-minded people who could all see the good and the and the joy in this song. Oh, God. Well, that's... What came over me then? Actually, quite a lovely, heartfelt thing you said, full of meaning. I think we'd better call Quick. it a day for No, now. say something about your bowels, quickly. Oh, God. Um, oh, there's nothing. We've turned oh. a corner. Interestingly, as I said before, I knew of the singles from this album... Um, only really got into the album a few weeks ago. I'm, again, I'm ashamed to say, but I'd never really picked up on the David Bowie influences. And I think, what was I deaf or something? Because it's so, so, so obvious. Not just in, you know, Branson's got such a. It's it really is an iconic vocal, but there are elements of it that are similar to David Bowie as well. But the sing the songwriting as well. I just think it's such a, a there's such a strong Bowie influence that I hope the band wouldn't mind me saying. Uh, also, maybe a bit of rock music as well in there. Uh, it's just ticking all of our boxes. Uh, David Bowie. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, there's so many elements to this track that make it so good. I mean, the guitar, obviously. Uh, Brett's voice, of course. The melancholy running all the way through it. The euphoria in the chorus as well. And just this was this was a moment in time. And... Have they ever done anything as big and anthemic? Maybe we'll find out over the course of this episode. Do stay tuned. This was a big hit for them, one of their biggest. It got to number three in the UK singles chart. It was also a big hit across Europe. This was, I guess, setting the tone for what they wanted to achieve with this album, was creating a big mainstream banging pop album um and as the first single and this was released in july 1996 um it really did set out their intentions for what they wanted to achieve with this album i think absolutely and will i've been doing my uh chart research with rob copsey would you like to know what held them off the top spot yeah but first of all you're not planning to do like a breakaway pop podcast with rob copsey are you mm, will oh, god We'll talk about that later. Oh, no. Because he's, called... 
It's quite dishy as well. Mm. Well, so am I, so... <laughs> Punching a bucket. Like you said, this charted at number three. At number two was a brand new entry from Robbie Williams with Freedom. It's obviously debut solo single. But keeping him and Suede off the top spot was Spice Girls with Wannabe, which was enjoying its third of seven weeks at number one. What a top three that was. Spice Girls, Robbie Williams and Suede is kind of like the three extremes of, of the pop world at the time. Mm, absolutely. What a time to be alive. Um, and just behind them uh, were Dodgy with uh, Good Enough. Still, it was a great track. It was brilliant at the time. What a fun song. I mean, these were all anthems of that summer, weren't they? Maybe, but let's say the Robbie Williams song, but certainly the Dodgy track as well as Suede and Spice Girls. They were very much summer 96. Oh, imagine Top of the Pops, that episode. Right, well, shall we move on? Yes, oh. I just want to say that, um, obviously, unsurprisingly, this was critically acclaimed as, uh, as a fantastic jingle song. Yes. Good. Good. And this one was written by Brett Anderson and Richard Oakes, who did the majority of the songwriting on the album. Will, I'll let you know if anything's different going forward. Uh, and Richard Oakes was one of the new uh, recruits uh, for the album. He was only 17 when he joined the band uh, and uh, was uh, he impressed Brett uh, because of the fact he his uh, talents, his musical talents were just so good that it made him a kind of unknown frontrunner to then take join the band and clearly was the fresh voice and energy that they needed as well absolutely that's not to that's not to do to do down anything they've done before but no and not to do down bernard but um bernard yeah bernard but uh, uh but it was i think it was the right decision for both parties dan what's next Track two, well, this is Filmstar. So Filmstar there, and Will, you know, I don't like to make too many comparisons with bands because they're doing their own thing, but I think it's only natural that acts are inspired by acts that came before them. And there's something about the bridge and chorus breakdown of this track. It's not your usual song structure. You almost think that, you, you know, you think you're in the chorus and then you're not. And I'm going to throw Morrissey into the mix of influences. And I, I know- oh, do, you have, do you have to? I know today, not not, uh, not a man we like to mention too often on this podcast, quite um, quite a nasty piece of work, actually. But he is a man who likes to mix up his choruses and verses and vice versa. Uh, and I think you really get it with this song. I love just the song structure. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I had structure down on my notes. Well, metaphorical notes. So I don't write them. It's all up here. Uh, <laughs> although, I, unsurprisingly, some people think this is scripted. <laughs> really so- not. So, yeah, definitely the structure. But I think also I love that pre... Again, because of the structure, I'm not sure if it is a pre-chorus, but it's almost like that breakdown, um, which is wonderful as well. Do you know what this song is about, Dan? Is it about a film star, Will? It's quite lazy saying that, actually. But yes, I, I guess this is about... It is very much a song of the times, as many of these tracks do reflect what was going on, the zeitgeist uh, in the 90s. And lots of comment on uh, celebrity, on drug culture, on society as a whole. And I think this definitely, it is a little bit literal in the sense of, you know, a reflection on film stars of the time. And Will, who was your favourite film star of the 90s or of the late 90s? I imagine you was a a bit of a Tom Cruise fan. I did enjoy him, seeing him shake it around in Cocktail. Uh, But I know you preferred his Top Gun. Well, also both 80s films, Will, so... Please keep within the time period. Oh, for God's sake, you're in one of those moods today, aren't you? Where you're just not giving me an inch. And you, and you did watch <laughs> give me an inch. <laughs> just an inch before you noticed. I'd have to say my favourite film star around this time was probably uh, Hugh Grant. Uh, well, yes, well, uh, I, well, oh, 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 flippity, flippity, flip, flip. 
very good on Twitter nowadays, actually. Will, there is a quality shine to the production of this song. I know we talked about it already on track one with Trash. Um, but I think with this one, it's even shinier and even poppier. But still, there's something angsty about the guitars. And it's quite clearly in kind of indie 90s track. But it's just, I, can hear, I don't know about you, I can hear so many different influences and sounds creeping in here to create something that is just a fantastic single. This was the final single to be released, fifth one to be released from the album. Got into the top ten at number nine. So still a really good hit. I have to say, all the singles feature a plethora of B-sides. So much so, we have been spoilt for choice for further listening today. Uh, and yet somehow both ended up choosing the same thing. Yeah, but that's because we're predictable and obvious. <laughs> also, Will, that meant that every single from the album, all five, went top ten, which is in, in itself an incredible feat. And I think that just shows not only the quality of the music and, and this album, but why it's so important to release B-sides. And this one got to number nine, Will, in August of 97. Uh, new entries above it from Danny with All I Want to Do and number four. I do, I want to do. Uh, Thumping by Chumbawamba at number two. Uh, but number one was uh, Will Smith with his second of four weeks there with Men in Black. Oh, maybe he's the best actor of the 90s. Of course he is, yeah. He's my favourite. Uh, and again, all those tracks are very much of that year and just a time when I was just so into music. Much more so than these days. Oh, now take it or leave it. So track number three now, and this is a lazy, you lazy beggar. I'm wicked and I'm Track three there, Lazy. I think with this one, Will, from the off, it feels a little bit more guitar-y, doesn't it, than the previous two? Mm. I just love that thrashing guitar, uh, just from the word go. I just love how instant a lot of these tracks are, and you just don't get any chance to ease yourself in at the start. Um, And on Guitar Watch, Will, which is, you know, something that you have been really owning lately, I think, on paper, some of the songs on this album and, and some of those guitar sounds... You know, you could imagine it's not quite track by trackable or whatever, but I think so many of our listeners are going to really appreciate the sounds of this album. And I really hope that some of them, you know, maybe didn't hear it before and fall in love with it, just as I have done uh, over the last few weeks. Also, uh, we need to talk about Brett's voice, the treatment that they've put onto it for this album as well. I find very hypnotising. Yeah, it's a wonderful voice. And it's still got it, hasn't he? Got it? He never lost it. Exactly. Worth noting that the band, if everything goes to plan with everything that's going on in the world, the band are celebrating the 25th anniversary of the album by performing it in full on tour later this year. We'll be there, won't we, Will? Uh, we, well, hopefully, Dan. Uh, do you know if they've got any dates coming up in Bristol? Uh, oh, just pop to London, lover. You can stay over at mine. Oh, I'd rather not because you creep in the door as just as I'm going to sleep and just you and you just come really close and you go... Let me know if you need anything. And then you just sort of tiptoe out like some dirty uncle. Oh, that's awful. I'm just trying to be a good host. And you are a good host, aren't you? No. <laughs> Five stars on <laughs> <laughs> On the track as well, I have to say the gear change into the chorus is so smooth. It glides. And then you've got this subtle synth that comes in on the latter choruses, which... Oh, that's maybe even going into sixth gear. Who do I think I am? Jeremy Clarkson. What the hell's going on here? More, more, or more Jeremy Corbyn than Jeremy Clarkson. Oh, thank you very much. And that's not a reference to your grey hairs. And you did actually once get quite angry when I bought the wrong meal out to you, didn't you? <laughs> 
This was the fourth single to be released uh, from the album, and it got to number again number nine. So the last two singles got to both got to number nine. And will a huge amount of new entries uh, in the top ten that week, April uh, in '97. Texas's Halo at ten. Shola Amers, you might need somebody at eight. Courses, Ready or Not at five. Orbitals, The Saint at three. Blur Song two at two. But keeping them all off at number one, R. Kelly with I Believe I Can Fly. R. Kelly, blimey, he's had a. <laughs> and I wish you're Kelly. Is she all right? <laughs> uh, obviously that was from Space Jam there's a new Space Jam film out now-ish probably depending on when this episode is going out uh, Will are you going to be watching that? I'm not but I know you have your cinema pass so you might well go and see it well, I've never seen the debut De- it's not got a debut is it I've never seen the first one okay track number four now and we're off by the sea So, by the sea there, Dan, mm-hmm. what a great time to talk about the fantastic album artwork. And I know you're shaking your head at me like it's going to fall off, uh, but I actually, I'm just going to say, I do like this track, but such is the quality of this 10-track album, I've got to do it somewhere. And actually, Will, just to be really honest, I was shaking my head at myself because I realised, I shook my head at you and then I realised, no, you've got to do it somewhere and also... When I listened to this earlier, I did think to myself, this will be the album artwork song. So it just goes to prove, I know you so well. Uh, So the album artwork, iconic album cover, this is. uh, And I really would love this on my wall, actually, because it's got all my favourite things on. Uh, It's got a very stripy uh, mattress. It's got some wonderful psychedelic colours, some handwritten uh, coming up album title a wonderfully striking yellow background juxtaposed with a brown suede and not three uh, scantily clad women on a bed is that one of your favorite things well there's a man in the middle i think they're all is that a man no, he's shirtless oh yeah sorry silly me i haven't got my glasses on and i think yeah this would be a great piece to have on your wall hint 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 don't know who you're hinting at listeners no not not leave them out of this it's you I'll share your address and then they can maybe club together. Also, Will, the legendary Peter Saville uh, played a part in the design of this cover. Of course, um, synonymous Mm. with the New Order visuals. Uh, And obviously no relation. Oh, God. Uh, So, yeah, a wonderful cover. I have to say as well, just to loop back to the last song for Lazy, the single artwork for Lazy is almost as good as well. Just wonderful campaign. Wonderful. Uh, but this track is lovely. It's a change of pace, but I think you need it after those first three tracks. Uh, and it's really uh, quite beautiful, actually. It is beautiful. It's another one that's just uh, an Anderson solo written track. Um, but what I love about it is it feels so optimistic in some ways, but it's delivered with that real melancholic sound. Obviously starts very stripped. The uh, the the organic keyboard or piano, if you will, and then it just builds and builds, and then it becomes a very, you know, a sound that that completely suits the album. And I think, well, after those th- three huge singles, we maybe needed a bit of a breather, but of sea air. So track number five now, and this is cheap. So she there, I was expecting maybe a, a, a version of the Elvis Costello wonderful track from uh, the Notting Hill soundtrack, but uh, actually no, this song has overtaken that as my favourite version of she. I have to say, what a beat to this one. It's got a song that sounds like 
dirty glam rock swing to it. Um, it's very, very good. The, the yeah, like you say, the the glam rock of the guitars and the woos and the la la las uh, and that that really heavy beat, but it kind of clashes with the poppier production in the best possible way. It makes a kind of a mini explosion of a track. I really, really like this one. And similarly to um, other songs on this album, this is another one which really comments on celebrities and culture at the time. And I guess people with lack of talent who are just kind of ligging away. Ligging? Ligging. I don't think I know that word well. And Dan, I think just an interesting fact about... Because I know you made a... You did a uh, Ricky Gervais, uh, David Brent line at the start of the episode. Do you know there is a connection with Suede and Ricky Gervais? Was he an early manager of theirs? He was actually responsible for uh, sourcing Simon Gilbert to join the band. Oh. I wonder if he's a big fan still. I wonder if he follows them. I'd be surprised if he didn't. I hope he does, Barbara. And do you know the reason why, um, obviously it's very well documented that Bernard Butler um, had fallings out with the band. Do you know why uh, Justine Lovey left the band? No, I've, I don't. Pray tell. Uh, well, she'd broken up with Brett. They were, they were a thing. And then she took up with Damon Alban. And as you can imagine, that wasn't ideal. Do you know? I think we've talked, I've got deja vu. Did we speak about this quite recently? It was probably about three years ago, and I've just had the, that memory come yeah. back. <laughs> I can't, it wasn't I even can't on the remember podcast. It, but I can't remember what we talked about at the start of this episode, let alone three years ago. <laughs> I have to say, though, Will, we've said before that Craig Armstrong looks after these strings on this album, and on this track, they're phenomenal throughout, and they just add even more layers to a wonderful sound. But then that outro, when it just breaks down and it's just the strings, it's almost James Bond theme-like or something like that. That's very good, Dan. Actually, well done. So I don't mean to, that didn't mean to sound patronising because I just thought, just in the moment, I thought that's a really great point, actually. Oh, thank you. I'll try to make more of them. So track number six now, and this is—it's a big one. This is beautiful one. soon as those first guitar chords kick in you know exactly what song it is iconic the start of this track uh and then it all just goes up upwards from there it is iconic this is the first song i remember hearing of suede as i mentioned right at the start of the episode and i I just think it is one of those tracks that appeals to so many people It, it doesn't do it in a um middle of the road sort of way but it is just such a fantastically written song this one will was brett anderson with neil codling his first co-write on the album but not his last and the story goes that apparently this song was originally called a dead leg um because uh matt osman threatened to give richard oaks a dead leg if he was unable to write a top 10 single Thankfully, they changed the name, and of course, it got in the top ten because this was the second single to be released from the album, and it got to number eight in October of '96. And Dan, I'm sure you're going to regale us with a little bit more chart knowledge. Well, I am because this one is fantastic. Because if you remember, the trash was held off the top spot by "Wannabe" by the Spice Girls. This one wasn't exactly held off. Uh, obviously, as you said, it's a new entry, at number eight. But in at number one that week was Spice Girls with "Say You'll Be There." They knocked off Boyzone's words, uh, other new entries, or a re-entry at number three, uh, Faithless with Insomnia, um, and Cast with Flying, as you mentioned before. Cast, another kind of really prolific group at this time. They were Scousers. From formerly the Laz. I've never known if it's Lars or Laz. Lars. Uh, also... Uh... A, a re-entry in the charts. You don't see those very much anymore. You really... Or do you see it more? Because if a song's like show, playing on a TV show, 
people will stream it to death or download it and then it'll go back in the charts. No, I don't like to prove you wrong. You know no, I don't. I think probably what I mean is it was just it was very rare at the time when you had a re-entry. No, you're quite right there, Will. Um, yeah, this it had peaked at number 27 the year before Insomnia and then dropped out of the top 40, but then obviously had a big push and got to uh, become the iconic hit it is today. And again, just talking about Spice Girls and Faithless and Suede and Cast in the same top 10. Such a, mm. what a time. I don't want to live in the past, Will, but I would quite, quite like, like to live like in to. the past. Yeah, yeah. And you do uh, often need to push for a re-entry. <laughs> Will, one of the most iconic things about this track, I think, first of all, again, I think the verses of this song are as iconic or maybe even more iconic than the chorus, which is just such a sign of the quality of the songwriting. But also the the la 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 outro, I think few acts can can do that successfully without appearing quite lazy actually. But here it's just it's one of those anthemic moments. You know, imagine hearing that live. Will have you have you seen Suede live? I haven't had the pleasure, unfortunately. But if your plan uh, comes off, then uh, that will change this year. Uh, do you remember Animal Night Train? Yes. Is it a track of theirs? Yeah. Uh, because that was from 1993 and was a very early release. And I think if I think about some of their previous work, although it wasn't as much my cup of tea as this, as this album, Animal Nitrate was amazing. It, Yeah, there, there was always hints of what they were doing on Coming Up, weren't there, in the, in the previous two albums, but mm. mixed in with a yeah, darker sound, which one can only imagine was Bernard Butler's influence. Um, not to cast aspersion as I will. I don't like to do that. So track number seven now, and this is Star Crazy. So I'm going to say it again, well, and I can't believe I'm saying it again, but they have done it again. You think you've got the chorus of this song and then it just comes in and it just adds another another element to the track that just I can't get over how they create these songs. But also I can't get over how I feel like this could have been a single. I feel like Lazy could have been a single. I feel like she could have been a single. Such a strong album. You're so right. I think this is the, the the album track that's probably for me the most single worthy uh, because it's another absolute belter. And I think the drums steal the show, actually. I mean, the guitars are as ever incredible, but the drums are really, really prominent. And it's just the quality. You can hear every instrument, but it's got its wonderful gloss to it as well. Also, well, I love a good title, and this is a great title. And I'll tell you who is Star Crazy. Brian Cox. He is. He is. Could you, could we say he was part of this movement as, as a member of D-Ream? Probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you liked the name of this track, you're definitely going to like the name of the next track as well. And this one is Picnic by the Motorway. Picnic by the motorway there. And Will, I imagine this one stirs up some memories for you because you did 
telling me once before that he used to enjoy a, a good nosh at uh, Peace Pottage Services. <laughs> oh, well, you've had that one up your sleeve, haven't you? Um, <laughs> now, this song is, it's almost, it's very different sound, isn't it? It's almost a bit trippy for me. Very trippy. I think you get that with the, again, you talked before about the vocal production and it's so dreamy on this one. And then the the much more of an acoustic strum with the music and then just that chorus of, hey, such a lovely day. It just, yeah, it definitely feels really ethereal, completely suited to the album, a, a great break mm-hmm. in the album, um, but, a, but a different sound as well. It's a great album track. Uh, it is a great album track. <laughs> uh, and that's a very good thing you can't all be uh 10 tra- 10 absolute uh endless bangers well a real shame you said that will because i think brett anderson was on record as saying he wanted to write 10 bangers for this album so uh oh and he did for the most part this is just a little slight change which is very much appreciated in the context of the album as an album track not to not to throw you under the bus in front of uh brett but we will move on to track number nine now, and this is The Chemistry Between Us. between us there this is a reference to drugs drug culture and the sort of people that you know uh through taking drugs and being off your head on drugs together and that being the common connector and not really there being anything else there is this an intervention no 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 feeling a bit on the spot well yes a little bit yeah a bit attacked uh no i don't do drugs don't do drugs uh listeners uh, free choice. Unless you want to, yeah. Free choice, free choice. Uh, a couple of things I love about this one, Will. First off, the lyric about, and maybe we're just stretching trash, just bringing trash back in there right at the end. Also, Will, the line, we are young and not tired of it. Must be lovely. Oh, I'm just tired all the time these days. <laughs> you look it. Absolutely haggard. So I recovered from that weekend when you came up, and that was weeks ago now. Weeks and weeks ago. Just feels like yesterday. <laughs> I do love the soaring strings as you get into the chorus when the when the talk about class A's, class B's, um, and the chemistries. It's just yeah. Some lovely wordplay and some lovely strings in there. But starts off predominantly drum led. One of the, the the strings and the drums, but not so much the lyrics actually. Um I think really speak to Brett saying that when he was looking back on coming up, looking back on coming up, that sounds like a song or something. That's great. Autobiography. I'm taking that trademark. Uh, He mentioned that the band would listen to lots of 60s, three and a half minute kind of straight up singles. And I think this one really does feel like it could be one of the most 60s influenced songs. A lovely moment, a lovely penultimate track. And this is the second and final one. Uh, That was Brett and Neil Coddling. So we're on to the last track of the album. It's another reason why this album is really great, because it's a classic 10-track pop record. It's, I don't know if it was just me, so like you said, really great. <laughs> uh, so track number 10 now, and this is Saturday Night. <laughs> Saturday Night there, a very different... If you think about a lot of tracks that are called Saturday Night, they're often quite banging. This is a little bit more, I guess, reflective, but 
I guess encapsulating a Saturday night from a different point of view. That kind of whatever makes her happy on a Saturday night is almost like you're looking to please someone else. Yeah, a real juxtaposition, I think you could call it. Just the, the lyrical content, the melancholy, wonderful, just soaring sounds in the track. Um, what a great album closer, Will. And uh, the video for this, uh, this was a single. This was the third single. Keely Hawes was in the video for this. Oh, was she a big name at that point? Not really. So very much in the earlier part of her career. This got to number six in the singles chart. Uh, so another big hit for them. Uh, a plethora of B-sides um, also included. On CD1 in particular, you had Drumble Sale Mums. <laughs> That's one of my favourite song titles you've ever said. And if you wanted to know, Will, and I don't know if you do, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, in the charts that week, this was released in the, on the 13th of January, 97. So a nice early start to, uh, to the year. Uh, this was the second highest new entry, but it was beaten by White Town with Your Woman at number one. I don't think I could hum that song, Will. I could never be your woman. No. No. Are you just saying no, so I sing more of it? Maybe. That one knocked off Tori Amos's Professional Widow. Off the top spot. I want to bring you close to mine. But yeah, great song. Another great pre-chorus. I do love a pre-chorus and they are a plenty throughout this album. Uh, so uh, before we move on to further listening, uh, the performance of this album in reception, it was a number one album in the UK and uh, did very well across Europe. Uh, critically, extremely positively received um, and some wonderful warm words in a lot of the music press uh, or in all the music press that mattered. And review-wise, The Guardian gave it 4 out of 5. NME gave it 8 out of 10. Q gave it 4 out of 5. Select, a uh, big big name back then, gave it 4 out of 5 as well. So very well received and reviewed. Good. Which does kind of fit with the reception we've given it on today's episode. Definitely. Now, we're on to some further listening. And there's a lot to choose from from this era of... Era? From this era of suede so dan i'd love for you to go first i would love to go first will my further listening choice is every monday morning comes This was one of the B-sides to the lead single, Trash. Um, I just love that. It's another one written by Brett Anderson and Richard Oakes, who co-wrote the majority of the songs we've said before. Another killer chorus. But also, I mentioned before about um, a little bit of a Morrissey comparison, maybe. And I think with that title, you really get it with this one. I love the slow start. And then the chorus really kind of drives home that kind of Monday anthem. And I love, it almost closes the loop from like Saturday night to every Monday morning comes as well. It's kind of, it's a very social album, this, I think. Mm. Lovely point, Will. Mm. Thank you. Oh, this could be the start of a beautiful friendship. No. Will, what have you gone for? So this is the Pet Shop Boys link back again. This is uh, from the live uh, tour that the band were doing at the same time around this album. This is Rent featuring Neil Smith. there featuring Neil Tennant I think this is a this the song the theme and the production of it is totally in keeping with coming up the album um also a lovely guest appearance and there's some cross 
pop pollination going on with Neil Tennant actually singing along to it. And if you ever wondered what a suede sounding Pet Shop Boys song would sound like, if anyone ever wondered that before this came out, I love the fact that it's basically Neil Tennant singing the same lyrics to a different sound altogether. But I really love the combination. It's great. And we've we've made a few comparisons, or I should say I've made more than enough comparisons of people who might have influence uh, Suede, but particularly uh, Brett's songwriting and that storytelling and that kind of real, uh, um, you know, very real, very, I don't want to say kitchen sink drama, but, uh, you know, really just take characters uh, and put some at the forefront of the song. And I think that's such a Neil Tennant thing to do. Uh, so it's wonderful that there is this uh, combination because it sounds like a Suede song and it sounds like a Pet Shop Boys song. It's wonderful. And this was performed at the Roundhouse. And Dan, we've both enjoyed some wonderful gigs there over the years. But I don't think we've ever been together. No, I was just thinking that. I've No, I've seen, uh, yeah, I've seen a, some wonderful things there, but not, not with you. Maybe that's the common denominator that made them all brilliant memories. We're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I feel a bit bad now ending on that note. Uh, don't feel bad, Dan, because we've just reached the end of another wonderful episode and it's been great to talk about Suede, another uh, very different feather in our pop cap. And I have to say, Will, I will be listening to this album and delving even deeper into Suede's back catalogue following this. Really thoroughly enjoyed this episode, which makes a lovely change. Good. And if you've enjoyed this episode, do let us know what you think at Track by Track UK and please give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget, if you want to receive weekly episodes from Track by Track, you can now join us over on Patreon, where there are many tiers available. Yes, absolutely, Dan. Weekly episodes uh, and much, much more available over on our Patreon. If you'd like to be a uh, subscriber, do head over there. Follow the links on the, the bio for this episode and across our social media as well. Uh, however, plenty more to come from Track by Track for Patreon uh, or non-Patreon fans. So, until next time, I've been Ed Buller. And I've been a beautiful one. Hmm. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>